I'm a feminist because I believe that women should have equal rights and opportunities. I'm a feminist. I do believe everyone deserves equal rights. Men and women will never be equal simply because we are biologically, mentally, emotionally and physically different. I don't consider myself a feminist because I believe that men and women are equal in their own ways. Truth needs to be told about this insane system that I was born into designed to keep me silent and small and controllable. I think modern feminism has uh, maybe like gone too far uh, and it feels like it, it brings men down uh, in its pursuit for equality. Today has unfortunately been redefined by various woke agendas that take away from actual women's rights and become more of a I want to do what I want, when I want and to hell with reasoning or the consequences. And I guess that's why I'm not a feminist. Would you give me 10 minutes to change your mind. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people. Categorizing of humans and ideas. You have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas. These things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, or even a Christian. Join hosts Matthew J. DiStefano and Keith Giles as they tip over just about every sacred cow known to man. You're sure to have a good time, if you're a heathen or heretic or apostate or reprobate. If you're an evangelical, maybe you won't have such a good time. But either way, we want you to listen. You can check out Apostates Anonymous wherever you get your podcast fix. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Ideas Digest podcast where we explore the challenging ideas that divide us in order, open our mind, bring world peace, or maybe just to understand our enemy so we can defeat them later on. My name's Conrad. And my name's Alice. Now, new friends of the show, welcome. Welcome in YouTube land or in podcast land, wherever you're listening. Super friends, super welcome. These are the friends that went to ideasdigest.org, signed up, support the show, kept us rolling as we go, throw a few pennies at us, whatever you can afford. Much appreciated, sir. Good kind, sir. Uh, or madame, sorry, should get both 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 genders. Oh, don't say that. Don't say both genders these days. Oh, There's more than okay. two. Right. I will avoid this rabbit hole because maybe that's a future. That's definitely a future topic. But I think we have to, if we ever touch on it, we have to build up to it. There's a lot of tension surrounding the gender conversation. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. The gender conversation. Yes. Definitely. So maybe we re will revisit the gender <laughs> conversation. I haven't done. At this moment, I'm very just much a punter watching this play out. But let's avoid that for now and maybe even edit this out in post, depending <laughs> on depending on how, how bad it sounds. If you're a new podcasting friend of the show, you'll know that we went down the man rabbit hole. No, Conrad, stop saying man rabbit hole. <laughs> I've got to got to delete that from my vocabulary we went down the rabbit hole of andrew tate and i built a conspiracy board alice you saw it it's got you know on the right hand side the right wing the left hand side the left wing and i explored a lot of different ideas that i thought were connected to this you know me the average punter you know why is this guy so divisive why is he so popular 
my my theory is, Alice, as you know, that if there is a lot of controversy around someone, a lot of tension, a lot of division around someone or something, there's something underlying it and we try and excavate and understand some of those ideas. And I built a conspiracy board, Alice, you saw it. It's got, you know, on the right-hand side, the right wing, the left-hand side, the left wing. And I explored a lot of different ideas that I thought were connected to this, you know, me, the average punter, going, why, why are people, you know, why is this guy so divisive? Why is he so popular? My, my theory is, Alice, as you know, that if there is a lot of controversy around someone, a lot of tension, a lot of division around someone or something, there's something underlying it, and we try and excavate and understand some of those ideas. Uh, some of those ideas, Alice, that we were exploring. Both sides diagnosed the Andrew Tate problem or the thing or what is an Andrew Tate. They diagnosed it as a crisis in masculinity, both left and right. Well, mm. Something's going on with men. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the right-hand side, the symptoms were like there's high rates of male suicide, men are doing it really tough. Then we go to the blame game. And, and Alice, obviously, who do you think who do you think the right hand side blamed for this Andrew Tate problem? Well, the left. Um, well, yes, the left. Um, but no. Yes. So, wait, you tell me. What do you what do you see the right hand side blaming? Yeah, it's it's like obviously the left blames the right, the right blames the left. This is the game that that we play. But yeah. even specifically, it's one group in the left, and that is the feminists, the man-hating feminists. Yes. They are to blame for confusing our young men taking their roles in society. And obviously the left-hand side, as we, as we map that out, there's a crisis in masculinity, the violence against women, just male violence in general is really high, even male and male violence, obviously super high. Um, they blame toxic masculinity, right? That's the, that was the problem that I, I, I came out with there. I mean, and then, you know, the conspiracy board goes into solutions. If you're interested in <laughs> talking to various different perspectives, head to the podcast, long, in-depth, nuanced conversations to help you understand what the hell is going on with what begins with an Andrew Tate. So this brings us, Alice, to the game that we will play today on the topic of feminism. So in this game, Alice, we compete to change minds and hearts, hearts and minds, and the person that changes someone's mind the most wins, okay? The, our opponents will give us a percentage on how much they are a feminist or not a feminist, and we will change them with our wit, good looks and charm, okay? Probably... Mostly the charm. <laughs> I think that's what I'm relying on. I'm going to rely on my wits. Okay. Wits. <laughs> yeah, and my looks if I happen to be someone's type. <laughs> this is totally non-discriminatory here. <laughs> exactly. So I have a coin, Alice. It might give away my position, but let's put the feminist as heads, okay? Okay. I'm going to flip a coin. The feminist is the heads and the anti-feminist is the tails. See, if I put the feminist as the tails, they'd be like, patriarchy. Right. Ooh, burn that Can't guy. call chicks so, tails anymore. No. <laughs> or chasing tails. Exactly. That's sexist. No. Yes. <laughs> no. I'm very PC right here. So I'm going to flip a coin. If it lands on heads, you get the feminist. Okay. If it lands on tails, you get the anti-feminist. Coin flip. Tails. You get the anti-feminist. <laughs> This is not going to play well for me, Alice. I was hoping oh for the other one. But I'm the dude. I'm the guy going to be like, no, you shouldn't be a feminist. Oh, damn it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that fate has decided. Mm -hmm. Fate has decided. So I'm going to convince a feminist to be anti-feminist. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to call it because I'm feeling cocky. I'm 2-0. and o. I beat you last time. You did. Normally, 
I, w- I would play it safe and I kind of take their side and go, here's why you should shift and soften just a little bit. They're like, yeah, okay. For this one, because I'm feeling really cocky, I am going to go for the Hail Mary. Okay. I'm going to somehow give them a conversion type experience. So I will, oh, frig. That actually, I almost regret instantly being so cocky because I have to get a feminist to not be a feminist. Nah, you know what? I'm going for it. Oh, okay. I'm going for, it. I'm, going for the, I'm going for the hard out. She will come out and say, you know what? She, look, I'm already, I'm already stereotyping. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I reckon I'm going to get a, 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 a woman friend of the show mm-hmm. and because she'll obviously be, she'll be a feminist, right? Stereotyping. All women are feminists. So if I'm going to judge who I get, because we don't know, we're going to keep it a mystery this time, mm-hmm. okay, before we looked at some Instagram accounts and got a bit of, you know, background and that helped our argument a little bit. Now we're going in blind. I'm not going to know who I'm talking to. So I'm going to guess that I'm going to be talking to probably a woman. She's a feminist. She's going to be highly educated. She's going to probably be socially left-leaning, probably in, in, your, in your political speak, a Democrat in my political speak. She'll be voting like Labor or the Greens. <laughs> so my stereotype is it's going to be hard for me, a male, telling her what to think. She's not going to like that. No. So, I'm, okay, I'm going to have to... Okay, I'm really going to have to think about this strategy. You strategize while I break my brain over how I cannot mansplain things to a feminist to get her off guard so she doesn't change her mind. It was a random coin task, guys. Please just remember it was a random coin task. Conrad did not voluntarily beg for this position. I could be a feminist. I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell super friends of the show, but I won't tell you. But don't judge me, okay? Yes, yes. No, and so if I'm going to have to convince an anti-feminist to be a feminist... I'm going to assume, stereotyping, that he is a male. Male. Yes, he's going to be a male, and he's probably going to be just a total bro dude. It's a man's world, uh, you know, equal but different roles at best is what I may be hoping for. Uh, So, like, low-key sexist, (laughs) um, and (laughs) that's what I'm kind of Mm. painting. Um, Probably admires a little bit guys like Andrew Tate, Jordan Peterson. Mm, um, yeah, probably uh, is a little bit more religious leaning or at least traditional mm. slash conservative minded. Um, I'm going to say probably grew up in a household that was also very mm-hmm. traditional and or a culture that had very traditional values. But yeah, so that's that's my broad stereotype is um, this gentleman is going to give me the time of day. I think he'll be, he'll feel like he's open-minded. Oh yeah. He'll probably think he's very, well, he's a friend of the show. True. So of course Obviously, he's going to think he's open-minded. Right? That's <laughs> See, that's going to be hard because he's going to think potentially, as I imagine this, this man that you will speak to, he's going to think that, no, no, we're equal. You just don't need feminism. Like we're equal. And you're going to, it's going to be challenging because you might have to expose to him that he doesn't think they're equal and that's one shift. And then you're going to have to think, sell him that feminism is mm. a solution. So you almost got a two-step process there. And the first step is mm-hmm. a self-awareness process, which is very difficult and challenging to get someone to, especially mm. if, I already, if I already think I'm open-minded and you're telling me, Alice, I'm not, you're not going to shift me. I think I'm open-minded. Alice, you're going to go away, talk to the friend of the show. I'm going to go away, talk to the friend of the show. Game on. We are back. I've done my homework. You have done your homework. I've spoken to a feminist and you have spoken to a non-feminist. Should I, I? I believe in egalitarianism. Maybe I'll show my cards there. You went first last time. 
I think it's only fair. Maybe I go first this time. Oh, yes. Please do. My judgments going in, likely a woman. I was correct. Highly educated. I was correct. I reckon, I thought she might have been a lefty on the political spectrum. I was correct. And I'd probably put her in the pseudo-intellectual camp of like highly educated but no official ivory tower doctorate behind her but likes to read very educated and i was correct again so i've judged judged fairly correctly i don't i don't know if it was enough uh enough to go on but i'll, I'll walk you through my strategy alice and you can tell me just some thoughts if you think it, it was a good starting approach okay okay so i i went in it, it's, I'm, I'm aware of my maleness in this situation. What a jerk. What a freaking jerk, non-feminist, classic bloke, bloody just trying to force his white male opinion down some, some vulnerable woman's throat, right? Didn't, wasn't, wasn't the best optics, but hey, the coin decides what the coin decides, the almighty fate, right? I brought my marriage. I've been married for six or seven years. Can't remember exactly at this moment right now, but I brought some of that experience to this, Alice. Um, I didn't want to invalidate her experience. I didn't want to, this is my strategy. I didn't want to tell her what she was feeling. That goes terribly in my marriage. I don't know about anyone else's. Smart man, smart man. Well done so far, continue. <laughs> you know, the, uh, yeah, yeah. In my marriage, Brooke's probably like, if only you did it more often. Anyway, I was very conscious in this conversation. Uh, don't stereotype. I was trying not to stereotype. Really trying to avoid this one. Don't mansplain. You know, I hear the feminists don't like this. Did wanted to avoid that. And I wanted to avoid when I'm bringing up like the male perspective, I, did, I wanted to avoid the whole like all lives matter, all not all men kind of trope. So I wanted to avoid that tribal ground. And it's in, in my strategy, I was trying to be gentle and just ask for guidance. So I was trying very hard. Like I'm a very like verbose kind of guy. I like to just say things. I was like, slow it down, Conrad. Slow down. Try and vibe the conversation. And I tried to share some of my feelings. I was trying to be like, maybe connect with my inner Ooh. feelings. Okay. So the, re <laughs> the, the real strategy really was a bait and switch. Okay. A very gentle bait and switch. If I'm going to take feminism away, I've got to give something equally as good, if not better. So let's see if you can, well, I suppose, what, what do you think of those strategies? Are they all right going in? Oh man, I'm, I'm at this point hearing your strategy and thinking like, fuck, are you going to win again? <laughs> because that's a pretty good strategy. Um, no, well, this, I think this is what I, I was aiming for. Yes. Like the strategy shouldn't be more prevalent for many more things in life. <laughs> Not just men toward women, but people toward people to take true, a gentle true. bait and switch approach to, uh -huh. um, to listen and acknowledge and validate feelings and never assume what someone's feeling. So I love hearing you articulate this. And I'm very curious to see how it plays out. That's what I was going for. I was going mm -hmm. for it. But now you and friends of the show, you can tell me, I, like mm -hmm. we all like to think we're open-minded, don't we, Alice? We all like to think yeah. that we're in the middle ground and we like to think that I listen and I achieved all of those things. You be the judge. Friends at home, you be the judge if I achieved what I was going for. And if you're playing along at home, if you are a feminist, in your head mentally or comment below your percentage, how much you're a feminist now and see if I change your mind. All right, Laura, welcome to Ideas Digest. Thanks for joining me and being a willing, open-minded friend of the show. Thanks, no worries. Now, 
Laura, you responded to our poll on Instagram and you indicated to us, we friends of the show, that you were a feminist. Now, in the binary choice you've been given, it's like yes or no. But I'd like to, I guess, ask you, what percentage of a feminist would you be? So let's say 100% is like you pray to the mother of feminism. I wish I did better homework. I'm unsure who that is. Uh, me either. <laughs> this is the greatest thing, so maybe not 100%. And 0% is like, feminism is the scourge of the earth and the world would be a better place without it. If there was a human embodiment of feminism, you'd punch them in the face. Okay. Um, no, I am very confident in um, identifying as a feminist. I'm going to say like 90%. I'm leaving 10%. Oh, yeah. Just because I think okay. there okay. is some nuance there. But, yeah, I'm quite confident. You're not praying. And Look, I'm not, You're not praying, praying um, but I would quite confidently yes. tell everyone in my life that I am a feminist, yeah. Could you tell me maybe why? you're a 90% feminist, maybe something that's happened to you, maybe some experiences you've had or anything you'd like to share about what has made you confidently identify as a feminist? Sure. Um, I think, I mean, feminism is right, the like social, economic and political equality of men and women. And um, I think that's a great cause, but also personally looking at the life that I'm living at this age versus the life that my mum lived and my nana lived, um, just over those three generations, the opportunities for women have been so different. Um, how my marriage works is different. How, like, the kind of jobs I was able to do, university degrees even, um, choosing to have children or not. Um, there's been so much change in my life that my, you know, just one generation ago didn't even have. And I think I owe all of the, well, a lot of the good things that I love in my life to the cause of feminism. So I am very grateful for the women who came before me for fought, who fought for those things. And so I'm really proud of that. That's probably the number one thing that makes me a feminist. But also I look around and I think there's still a few things that we need to push for. And so I'm on board to carry the flag and continue that. Yeah, so you're proud of the history of feminism, the mantle that you've been handed by your Four, four mothers, I suppose, <laughs> yeah. and you're, you're you, see, you see the progress that's been made, you're grateful for it, and you really just care about, I mean, those three words you stood out to me, um, I, even, I even jotted down, uh, like social, economic and political equality is really what you, you seem to value there. Yes, that's right. Thanks for sharing that with me. Laura, would you give me 10 minutes to change your mind? Look, I'm open to it. I'm a bit scared of conflict, but I'm willing to listen and just try to open my mind. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I, I will do my best. I don't, yeah, I, conflict, you know, I don't, definitely don't want to have a direct confrontation. I'm very aware of my maleness in this space. So, I'll, you know, I really ho I want you to feel comfortable. Hopefully, I can, I can make this as an enjoyable experience for you. I'm enjoying um, it already. But thank you, for your, thank you for your consent there to allow me to, to change your mind. Now, I apologise in advance just for this one. I must sacrifice a bit of my dignity to the God of the algorithm and just provide it with a bit of clickbait that I will take out of context later for the Instagram reels. Great. And Laura, feminism is a poison that is slowly killing democracy and any hope of equality for women. 
Now, let me just soften that a little bit. Uh, Once again, I I apologise. I apologise. But on a personal note, I'm a bit of a punter in this. You know, I'm just wandering through life. I'm a a male. These issues are very invisible to me, obviously, as you you can understand. Um, I should just say, for friends of the show, I should start the timer. Where is my timer? Here it is. I'll start my timer. I'll try and keep it to 10 minutes. That's that's really the goal. Penalties if I don't. Um, But I'll I'll pause the timer anytime you want to talk. So anytime you want to... Uh, interject or ask for clarification, Laura. Go, go for it. You All have right. free reign. I'm to ready. Do that, okay. On a personal note, I'm just a punter. I was just looking into feminism for, for myself, and and I actually probably agree with you. Uh, I was looking at you know the history of feminism as I was doing my algorithmic research, going, okay, how far have women come? What did it used to be like for women? You know, ignorant male right here, just trying to work out what's going on and understand the perspective of my of my female sisters. I discovered some things which, which probably aren't news to you, but I'll share them just for self-reflection myself. Feminism has been seems very effective from what I've seen. You know, Australia got the vote in 1902, very early. Congrats, Australia. Ooh, I think we were second in the world. Second in the world. See, you already know more than I, I do. I think so. Don't hold me to that. Yeah, correct me, correct me where I'm where I'm off because I used ChatGPT for some of this and it was <laughs> definitely wrong. It told me it told me Julia Gillard was first female PM in 1994 uh. and I know for a fact I'm not that ignorant. It no. was like 2010, I think. I don't know. Anyway, I won't get into that. But we've had a female PM. The Labor Party, the current government of Australia, is about 50-50, I think maybe even slightly more female ministers than men. So the progress from no voting to equal representation currently right now in Australia is is huge. And, and feminism, I guess, accomplished that. So I don't... I'm not here to disagree with, you know, historical feminism in, in that sense. But I would like to show you something I found in my, in my algorithmic travels here. It says, do you consider yourself to be a strong feminist, a feminist, not a feminist, or an anti-feminist? Um, yeah. So yeah. it looks like lots of men say not a feminist, 50%, and mm-hmm. 43% of women mm-hmm. say they are a feminist. Yeah, that's right. So this is a poll done by see once again punter here just googling don't check my check my facts but it's it's a loose googling 33 percent of men are feminists this is like concerningly low i'm sure we're all concerned about that and 60 percent of women are feminists so there's there's something going on there Uh, do you have any ideas as to why that might be help me out here uh yes a few things i mean just off the very top of saying it the word feminist implies that something is feminine and I think um, men typically have a bit of a problem with identifying themselves as feminine Um, and so they would be like oh I believe in equality for men and women they're more likely to say that but to say I am a feminist is I think some men would say oh I'm girly and I think which is wrong of course but uh, the other thing is that I think feminists have got a bad rap um, particularly in like the 90s actually just for the last hundred years for all of their fights. Um, I know lots of people who would say they're like bra burners or, um, you know, Mm. just like these butch women. Yeah. Angry feminists that just whatever, um, want to destroy the world and ruin everything. (laughs) I've heard that. (laughs) To be honest, that's, that's what my algorithmic research led me to. It sounds like you're saying there's a, there's a uh, disconnect in definitions of feminism and I think that's what I'm narrowing in on there like I found, you might know more of these but I found liberal feminism, radical feminism intersectional feminism, eco-feminism Marxist feminism, postmodern feminism 
all with probably worthy of a university degree and understanding itself. I don't want to get too many in the weeds there, but obviously it's very complicated. There's more to this word feminism, as I hear you defining it there. It's feminism, equality for men and women. Like, like what's, what's the, the trouble with that? And I'm, I, I wonder if the, the poll, if they word it like that, would get more men on board. But there's something going on with the branding of feminism, at least from my kind of punter's opinion here. Would you, you kind of think that could be the case? I definitely agree. And I think that falls into the 10% of why I feel hesitant. You know, I'm 90% confident as a feminist, but that 10%, they're a little bit all over the show and um, within modern mm. feminism, it's so divided at the moment. Um, and I think sometimes we mm. spend more time fighting amongst ourselves instead of putting that energy together and fighting for the cause. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's a question of perception, I suppose, what people think a word means and then what it translates into in reality and in policy. So I'll send you another Instagram video. This is a a prominent Australian feminist. Every International Women's Day, we have to have the same mind-numbing conversation about when is International Men's Day. Look it up. It's November 19th, the same day as World Toilet Day. Make of that what you will. But the question really needs to be, why do so many men feel the need to be snarky about a day that not only celebrates women's achievements in a world where one in three of us will still experience gendered violence, where poverty still disproportionately affects women, where marginalized women and women of color in particular are the most oppressed in the world. Why is it that a movement that began in socialist origins advocating for the rights, not just of women workers, but for the rights of all workers, which benefited men, is still met by so much condescending, sneering snark from men who could not be f***ing bothered to go and read a single thing about it, who don't care about women, who respond to women's advocacy for ourselves with the petty entitlement of little boys who are demanding to know where their toddler plate is, that is what we are still dealing with. And that is why it's so important that we do celebrate International Women's Day fiercely, provocatively, and with no sort of flattening of the messages of it. Aha, okay. Clem Ford is like who you think of in modern Australia when you think of like angry feminists, uh-huh. don't you think? Yeah, I was, I was relatively ignorant and, un, and unfamiliar, unfamiliar, but oh. I suppose like what's some, what's some words that I think you could describe that as? Like what would you describe how she comes across as? I don't want to say anything. Um, I'll leave it I to mean, you. like I know a little bit about Clementine Ford outside of just that video, so that's why I said I uh-huh. think she is quintessential angry feminist um Uh or comes across as it comes across as yeah um and she is she's she's very passionate um she's incredibly intelligent Mm. she has really good things to say i think sometimes she puts a foot in her mouth and um because of that aggressive nature and some and comments like in that video she said international men's day is on the same day as world toilet day make of that what you will that's like slam you know putting a slash across uh, men completely unnecessarily that's i think category. it's just, yeah it's just going to make them defensive yeah. like i feel like that's not the way to have a healthy discussion about our differences but at the same point mm. you know well behaved women didn't make history um you kind of need to make a splash in order to be heard and um totally. get people talking so 
Okay. Yeah. So, there, yeah, you're saying there's some validity to kind of the controversial approach, but mm. you also recognise, like, it's a bit cruel, a bit condescending, a bit harsh, and, and it's a broad brush, like men, all men. Yeah, like, yeah. If you're a man, so, so there's a lot of men potentially watching that. Oh, I'm definitely not one of them <laughs> going, oh, ooh, my feelings, <laughs> oh, my yeah. masculinity is... Oh, it's so fragile. It's a bit hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's fragile. Oh, oh, stop it. Glad that hurt. Maybe it hurt me a little bit. I don't know. Um, so I'll restart the, restart the timer here. So I guess I play that clip because, you know... We, I wouldn't say that that's all feminist. I, I guess I'm saying that this is a prominent narrative of what it means to be a feminist in Australia today. Now, I, I kept doing some research because you've said to me that, okay, you want equality, economic equality, social equality, all those sorts of things. So I, I did some research and I want to be really careful here. I'm unqualified. I'm just a punter, giving it a crack. And I came across some things that bear with me and, and I'll explain it at the end. But as I'm trying to get pragmatic here, in every measure, in every age, in the 1970-somethings, like, men were outperforming women in school and tertiary education by about 15 percentage points. And now, today, women, it's, it's reversed. Women are now consistently outperforming men in primary school, secondary school. They're 10 to 15% more likely to be university administered. And this is across Australia, America, developed uh, Western de developed economies. Yep. So it's now flipped. That, that's interesting. So, so boys are, like the data does show, correct me if I'm wrong, but it shows that men are at a, an educational disadvantage and have been for the last 10 to 15 years, which is interesting. Yeah, that's accurate. Suicide and depression is three times higher in men, uh, in women and rising. Men lead the top nine, lead causes of death in the top nine of 10 categories. Um, healthcare, worse outcomes, higher COVID deaths, which is weird, 50% higher risk of death in, in general, workplace accidents, blah, blah, blah. You can hear like, oh no, Conrad's Jordan Peterson, bloody, oh, how hard do men have it? I, that's really not what I'm actually trying to say. I think before we jump on this, like who has it harder? My main point is this conversation about who has it harder is the wrong conversation. I, I think you might agree with that. I'm I would not agree. Sure, yeah? Yep, 100% agree. Yeah, so that's, that's the wrong conversation. There are areas where men are really struggling, and, and I think you're someone who probably acknowledged that. And then there are areas where women still are struggling and need to catch up as well, and we need to address each a, as it's needed. Just for my records there, when I bring up statistics like that, what does it make you think or feel? Um, it makes me feel a little bit sad for men, to be honest. Um, I have heaps of great men in my life. I have a fantastic husband and he, we have conversations about this kind of thing a lot where um, he's like, look at all these disadvantages for men. And I'm like, yes, but they're very different to the disadvantages for women. And I would think it comes down to, um, sorry, not to blow out your 10 minutes. So very quickly. No, no, you can have as long as you like. Okay, I've, I've paused it. Okay. All good. Someone's yeah, watching yeah. my six month old baby. So I shouldn't take too long. Oh, but thank you. That's so lovely. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I think feminism has come so far. Like I said, every generation has so many more opportunities and like um, the role of women has changed so dramatically in the last even 30 years between my mum and me. And I think the expected role of men in Australia has kind of said the same, but 
needed to adapt in order to allow women to change. And so there's been so much push, so much emphasis on like women are disadvantaged, we need change, we need better things, and women are like getting better things and fighting for it and joining together and all these great things are happening. And men in the other corner, you know, hashtag not all men, but some of them are still being told men don't cry and you have to be the provider for your family and, you know, no, you can't like get paternity leave to look after your kid um, or you shouldn't be taking the sick day to care for your child. That should be your wife's job. Um, stuff like that. So it's almost like the door opened for women into, for example, the workforce to get flexible employment and um, better employment, better pay, better become managers and stuff. But the door has not opened on the exit door of that office for men to get flexible um, stuff to go back into the home and be more involved fathers and all of that kind of stuff. So I think a lot of the problem with um, suicide rates and the pressures on men and like expected to perform and stuff, but we haven't given them the emotional skills um, and the communication skills from boyhood to handle this changing world. Um, so many of their like idols, like you look at the Me Too movement or so many men were cut down and um, it, they just seeing their role models in footy and stuff just being slammed in the media by female journalists um, because we can now be on TV as journalists a lot. All of that kind of stuff, I think we're, we're bringing the pressure is just onto them without what a next step is, which should be flexible workplace, great role models, assistance to becoming fathers, support. Um, that really next step for men that has been needed by the changes made by feminism has is just not there in the way that it needs to be. And I think it's getting there. Um, it's certainly started, but it's started like 50 years too late. So I think men certainly are at a disadvantage in a lot of areas. Um, I definitely am not like a hater on the straight white male. Um, I think they have problems too. They're just super different from what my problems are, which is like, I can't walk the streets at night because it's unsafe. And like, um, you know, so many of me and so many of my friends have faced like abuse by men. And again, it's like the 2% of men that ruin it for the rest of the 98%. But our problems as men and women are so different. And I think those men that Clem Ford was addressing in her video are really petty going like, oh, what about me? But they need to see as well, oh, my problems are a lot different. I can support you in championing change for your problems. Can you support me in championing change for my problems? And we need to somehow work together. That kind of changes, of course, how we interact with it. You know, you're walking the streets, you're feeling unsafe because it, if you are to be attacked, it, it will be a male, like statistically. Yeah, statistically. And so you have to have this level of built-in caution, I suppose, which, which, which makes sense. But what I'm also hearing and what you're saying is that feminism seems to have only done half the job. And I think to kind of really shift gears here into a very persuasive narrative, I think I'm saying it can only do half the job because of perhaps a branding exercise yeah. and maybe just the fact, like you said at the top, feminism, it's, it's naturally an exclusive brand that at least 
50% of men aren't getting on board with and you've identified some of the problems that we need to solve. And so I, sp I guess what I would say is some feminists, not all, definitely not you, want to blame men. You know, Clem comes across as blaming men. I'm sure she's, you know, being specific. She's got her experiences totally. Mm. But I guess I'd like to offer you an alternative in this and say it's not men. It's some men. Yeah. Because... I'm very aware of the fact that women are underrepresented as CEOs in the political system. I mean, it, it, the, la the Labor Party's doing all right, but the Liberal Party's pretty rubbish at the moment <laughs> yes. so, on, on, on that front. So here's what I'd like to say. It's the, the some men I'm talking about, they're the men who currently hold all the levers of power, all the wealth, most of the political positions, and they control the seats on corporate boards and they control these CEO spots. And what I guess what I'm saying is this is the levers of power that control society. Now, I, I'll, I'll just apologise to you for, for a second here. Um, I've I, I got like three and a half minutes left, and so I'm probably going to rush a little bit, and I'll probably get a bit passionate, so I, I apologise if I come across as like very aggressive or like angry or like hopefully not mansplaining. No, nope, I'm ready. I'm ready. I am going to sit okay, still okay. and listen. Can't wait. Oh, I mean, you can interject still whenever you wish, whenever you wish, but... I'm going to try and like pump through this because I've got three minutes and 26 seconds left. All right, here we go. This does make me quite angry because these, this group of men, they lobby and control our government with money and politics. Australia, USA are the two are massive examples. Australia's horrible at this. Control things like environmental reform, spending money on mental health and services and healthcare. These men control Silicon Valley. They mine society's attention, creating depression in young girls, problematic behaviour in boys, creating division in society that ultimately monetizes the destruction of democracy. I, you seem like someone who would care about democracy. Yes. They get rich off the destruction of the environment. Now, this is, makes me super angry as an Australian because they'll blow up indigenous sites and be like, oh, oopsie, sorry. They'll mine our gas. That's yours and mine. Like, mm. by, we're just born to Australia. We all should have rights to what's under the ground. But they ship it off and we get no taxes. We get no dividends for that. We get that we pay nothing. And these corporations and these men that are making these decisions, and we pay the bill to clean the environment, we pay the cost of like the pollution, blah, 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 you know. Don't want to get too environmentally ranty here. <laughs> I'm with you on all that. And to be really uh, potent now, in Australia, experts are saying, economists, this is my pet hobby horse, 70 to 80% of inflation right now is being caused by corporate profits. Now, it's very complicated. It's taking me a while to really understand it. But essentially, they're saying they're jacking up prices faster than inflation because they can. Yep. And then they're jacking interest rates and making, I'm sure you, maybe you've got a home loan. They're yeah. making you pay for it right now. It hurts. Yes, it hurts, right? It isn't all men. It is some men. And they're not even doing this because they're men. They're doing it because they're powerful. And pa this is what power does to people to protect their profits. It's not because they're men. I, I can name women who do the exact same thing. Yep. Hillary Clinton. Margaret Thatcher, Julie Bishop just went to work for a mining company after leaving government. Sheryl Sandberg, Facebook CEO. Like they're, mm. they're, this, they're doing the same thing and they're women. So it mustn't be a man v. women problem because men are suffering under this tyranny just as much as women. That's right. And so I guess with, with one minute left, this group of billionaires are cunning and they've been paying attention to everything you've been saying and they realise just how powerful feminism and women are and have historically been. So rather than go up against this formidable force of feminism, they manipulated it, they weaponized it and turned it into something that can distract and divide men from women, mm -hmm. make us fight each other. Oh, you've got it worse. No, you've got it worse. Oh, men suck. Women suck. And we're fighting each other in society. 
and the examples that graph at the top, 50% of men are like, no, I don't want to be a feminist. 60% of women are, yes, I want to be a feminist. We're already divided. So with 30 seconds, <laughs> 30 seconds left, this makes me really sad because I'm saying, I'm saying, Laura, they succeeded. They succeeded in turning feminism from a medicine that healed society historically into a poison that is currently too narrow to solve the massive problems we all have in society today. So I would implore you, humbly ask, that feminism is not going to, it's too narrow to deliver the social, political and uh, economic equality that you want. And I'd ask you to not identify as a feminist because it does more harm than good. Ooh. I'm done. Okay. I'm done. Whoa. I agree with everything you said. I feel like what you're talking about, though, is like capitalism. Like coming out of that Correct. rant, I'm like, man, capitalism yeah. is the energy. This like late, like, uh, yeah. it's like en enemy, oh. not the energy. Uh, the late stage yeah, yeah, yeah. capitalism sucks. And I think, yes, the billionaires are causing such a divide. And like I said earlier about how feminists sometimes spend so much time like fighting against each other with like cancel culture and um, like political correctness and all this kind of stuff instead of like actually working together for a goal. Um, but also social media, our other algorithms, um, like the taking down, like I used to work in radio and we all used to listen to the radio. And now everyone I meet listens to a completely different set of music and podcasts based on their different algorithm or interests. And we don't have that like universal thing that unites us anymore. And, you know, I pick up my phone and scroll on social media and it is completely different. There's almost no crossover with what mm. I would say on my husband's phone if I pick it up and scroll through yeah. his algorithm. And so yeah. I think that has just divided men and women so much where we can kind of just like sling shit at each other over the fence and be like, oh, yeah. men suck. Or like, you know, if only yeah. I had the confidence of a straight white man or whatever. And like, I wish <laughs> I had the confidence of my husband who is a straight white man. But, you know, he also wishes he had the flexibility to do what I'm doing right now, which is sitting on the couch mm. on a Friday afternoon on in part of my 12 months of maternity leave, half of which is paid for by mm. the government. You know, mm. so right. we... Right. Our lives are so different. Our problems are so different. And social media mm -hmm. and things that are caused by these billionaires, I think maybe you're right. Maybe they are dividing us on purpose to try and, like, squash feminism. But to be honest, that only makes me more empowered to be like, yes, I am a feminist. I am interested in progress. Um, mm -hmm. I have a daughter mm -hmm. now. I think that's made me more confident. Sorry, Conrad. I think yeah. I'm still at 90%. Uh <laughs> Ninety yeah. percent. I thought I would. I really. Oh, that's gonna. That's gonna hurt the hurt the record there. I'm I so guess. Sorry. Okay. After the buzzer. <laughs> All right, Alice. Walk me through your strategy talking to a non-feminist. You got to convert this person. It's presumably a man, no? Presumably it was, and here I was very mistaken. Um, uh, so it was a little bit harder to find a non-feminist, a friend of the show, who was willing to debate me. Um, when we did finally find someone, it was Sarah. And Sarah, okay. for anyone who doesn't know, is the woman behind the account on Instagram called Growing Up Fundy. Follow Growing Up Fundy, just have to shout out to Sarah. So I, I was already familiar with Sarah's content which kind of one could argue gave me okay. a little bit of an advantage going into this. Yes. Okay. She's a young woman. 
She's educated. She's totally not the bro dude, traditional gender role type of figure that I'd kind of was braced for in my head, which both made my job easier and harder. Sounding very like high level, highly educated, pseudo intellectual type, or is is she like full blown intellectual academic? Uh, you know, I honestly don't even know because her Instagram account oh. is pretty private about who she is. It's more just like okay. funny memes about growing up fundamentalist Christian. So it could be in the ivory tower. Could be in the ivory tower. Could definitely could be. be in the ivory tower. Okay. Um, but I also know from the Instagram stories that she shares, she's pretty well read. She she has a very mm. educated vocabulary. Yeah. So I would assume... Okay that um she's she's no dummy you know at all so i'm I'm talking with a smart educated strong opinionated woman so my strategy going into it storytelling was definitely a strategy that i very consciously went into and this is partly because um i was just recommending a book to a friend called how to talk like ted i believe that's the name of it and it's it's referring to um TED Talk speakers, what makes the most engaging, compelling, powerful, impactful TED Talks presentation? I thought you were going Ted Lasso and I was like sick. No, (laughs) no, I haven't seen it, I'm afraid. But no, with that being at the forefront of my mind, the number one thing that the most compelling TED Talks presentations have in common is utilizing the power of story, of personal story. And so I was like, this might be a good situation to utilize the power of story. So if you're playing along at home, either make a mental note or jot down what number you think you are. And we'll see by the end of this conversation that I have with Sarah, if I could change your mind. Sarah, I hear that you do not identify as a feminist. Is this accurate? First of all, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't use that term to describe myself. Um, I think there are definitely some things in feminism that I agree with and I know it like it started out in the right place um I just feel like it's gone a little too far for me to feel comfortable like using that label for myself so sure in what ways do you feel like it's gone too far um I just feel like right now there's a lot of like just hating men um like blanket (laughs) like across the board like men are the scum of the earth you know things like that that yeah, there's a lot of bad men in the world, but, you know, there's a lot of bad women and there's things that um, men do that are, like, very needed for society. And I don't think that mm-hmm. hating them is, like, great Productive. for anybody. Yeah. Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 100, what number would you put yourself in terms of how you would, how much you would or would not identify as a feminist? I feel like it had to be somewhere in the middle, maybe like 60. We'll say you would identify as like 60% more feminist than anti-feminist. Um, but yeah. with the disclaimer that you just don't choose to use the word feminist to identify with yourself as. Is that accurate, would you say? Yeah, I think so. You're, and you're saying that you choose not to identify as a feminist mainly because you don't like the way that the movement has um, maligned men and boys in many ways. Is that accurate? Yeah, um, there are some other things about it as well, um, but I feel like the hating men part is probably the biggest one. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say are some of the other things that concern you about the modern feminist movement? I don't know. Um, I feel like the whole sexual liberation of women in the 70s was good in some ways, but also uh, hurt women in some ways. Um mm 
and you know abortion is a part of that and that's obviously a huge issue but um I feel like I don't hear people talk about abortion in the way that I think about it um Mm. and I I don't think that it's good for society like I I understand why a lot of women get abortions um but I think using it as birth control um and like touting it as like a great thing is not I wouldn't agree with that um so Mm. that's another thing um just the other thing I think is I don't like to see myself as like oppressed um you know, not everything is because of the patriarchy, like, you know, it's all tied in together, but um, I think that's the biggest things for me. You brought up one of the points that I've given a lot of thought to, um, and that is, that is the relevancy of feminism in the West versus feminism in the non-Western world. And uh, to get into this point, I'm going to share a little story, and I do have my timer running because I'm supposed to keep my side of things 10 minutes or less, and then I can pause the timer when it's your turn to speak. Um, But so from my side of things, I once went to Swaziland, which for anyone who doesn't know is a country within the continent of Africa, and I was there as part of a volunteer aid mission. And while I was there, I met countless people affected by AIDS, um, including one woman who lost her entire family to AIDS, her husband or children or grandchildren. Um, And my driver, who was also my language interpreter, he was a very, very kind man who, like most people in Swaziland, identified as a Christian. Um, Christianity, to my surprise, was very prevalent there. And I remember while I was on the trip, I kept looking around seeing so much tragedy and so much poverty and so much injustice and cruelty. And I kept thinking, like, how can these people be... Christians, when to me, there's so, it just affirmed evidence that there was no omnipotent loving God. I'm going somewhere with this, hang in there with me. Um, (laughs) And I was talking about it with this driver and we were, I was completely jet lagged. I probably hadn't slept in three days. And so I was a little bit more candid and blunt than I normally am. Um, And I, it came out that I was an atheist And I'm sure in so many words, I expressed my disturbance and dare I say, probably disgust with how how people could believe in something when there was just, to my perspective, so much evidence to the contrary, that there was no loving God who gave a shit about these people and their problems. Um, And he very, very kindly pointed out to me how lucky I was to be able to even consider atheism. From my Western, very privileged, spoiled position where I have my whole family's alive, none of my friends are dying of AIDS, I have clean running water, um, I had the wherewithal to have time to think about whether or not uh, God existed and what that might mean, where these people, they're just so busy trying to survive, they're not even thinking about these deeper questions is one of the points that this gentleman was making to me. And it really struck me um, and lingered with me. And so in regards to how this relates to feminism, because this is something I've sat with myself too, is might girls and women in countries that are not in the West, countries like Saudi Arabia and Iran, India and Indonesia, 
consider women like you and I lucky to even consider no longer needing feminism or choosing to identify as a feminist? Um, might they perhaps feel abandoned by us when we reject the word feminist? Because in our society, women are relatively equal to men, if not exceeding men in many fields like education. Um, and so sometimes I wonder, like, might it be a kindness, however unnecessary, to keep calling ourselves feminists, not because our lives, as in you and me, not because our lives and our equality are in danger, but because the lives of so many other women and girls are. Um, for example, in many parts of the world, girls and women are in danger of honor-based violence, such as female genital mutilation and stoning, which is sex-based. Um, they're in danger of arranged marriage and forced pregnancy and childbirth, which are both sex-based. Um, and they're in danger of never finding the freedom to earn their own money or leave homes, follow their dreams, or even uncover their faces, all because their sex is female. And when you consider how many women across the world are still fighting for equal rights that you and I get to have, um, does this at all shift your perspective on the maintained need for feminism as a movement? Yeah, no, that's a really good perspective that I haven't really thought about. Um, like I said, I think the way that it started out here in America, um, I would like still identify with a lot of those ideas and, that's still what a lot of women, you know, overseas are still fighting for today. So I guess in that sense, yeah, I would be more comfortable using that term. Um, that even in the West, women within minority communities, such as the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in Los Angeles and New York City, um, which are two of the biggest cities in North America with a Hasidic population, um, there, there are girls and women still very much fighting for equal rights, and they could use the help of outsider people like you and I, um, to boldly declare themselves feminists um, to, as partly a show of allyship and as partly um, a show of uh, active solidarity, not just passive allyship, but active solidarity when they're looking for people to turn to for help to get out of, say, an arranged marriage, um, they might, might look for people who might boldly identify as feminist uh, as a signal of like, oh, this person's safe, like they care about female equality. Um, and so do you think that feminists in the US can play a helpful role in helping girls and women right here, not over there in other parts of the world, um, achieve the equalities that uh, women like you and I get to have? Yeah, I, I'm not sure like how much you know, feminist groups are doing to help those women. I just don't like, I'm not involved mm -hmm. in that world really. So I'm not sure, but yeah, no, that is definitely an issue. And even like women who are in evangelicalism, who are in really unhappy marriages and, you know, they feel like there's no way out. I mean, yeah, religion tends to oppress women. So <laughs> in that way, I, I definitely see your point. Yeah, no, and to be fair, like I totally see yours too. Like I share your uncomfortability with the very, um, I don't, I don't want to call it emasculating, but just the hatred toward men that I see many contemporary feminists doing in ways that might not be overt but might be considered more passive or covert. For instance, seeing a backpack uh, in line at the grocery store that says the future is female. If a little boy were to look at that, how might that make him feel, that type of messaging that kind of implicitly sends a signal that's like, 
you are irrelevant. You as a male are not the future. And so I, I do feel very much in, in alignment with you about a lot of things, as you know, um, and, and particularly here about feminism, like why it is and can be very toxic. The, the last part of my argument is basically why feminists might be more needed than ever to keep female-only spaces safe, such as restrooms, domestic violence shelters, and prison wards. Um, I've seen you post on social media content that might be considered gender critical. Um, for example, you recently shared a post about a new Spotify podcast called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. And I'm wondering if you agree with Rowling that female-only spaces, such as restrooms and domestic violence shelters, are in danger of being infiltrated by men pretending to be trans women. Yeah, I think that's something that is not talked about enough um, because when the issue of trans people comes up, it's usually just very divided, very polarized. The right wants to just, nobody should be trans and um, they just go way too far, obviously. Um and then, you know, on the left, it's just they don't seem to acknowledge that there are predators that are going to take advantage of this situation. And when you put no safeguards in place for prisons, for example, um, you know, we have talked about this, like there are male rapists who, you know, because the prison system in some places says you can just say one day I identify as a woman, not go through any medical transition or anything, and then just be transferred to the female prison. Um, yeah, that is just completely insane. And <laughs> it's obviously terrible people are going to take advantage of that if that's you know an option, because predators mm -hmm. will always find ways to prey upon uh, the vulnerable, vulnerable populations. So um yeah, that's already happened in prisons. It's happened, um, you know, in female locker rooms and spas. And, you know, for women, you know, there's a lot of women walking around who have been sexually assaulted or um, just molested in some way. And it can be very triggering for them to see a penis in their space, you know, um, even if the person is not trying to be um even if the person is trans and not trying to you know be offensive towards anyone it can still be triggering for a woman to see that um in mm -hmm. you know a space that she's undressing in or whatever so yeah no every everything you're saying makes sense um do you think that women's sports are in danger due to the inclusion of athletes who are assigned male at birth yeah. Um, you know, it's just honestly ignoring science um, and scientific facts to say that someone who has gone through male puberty does not have an unfair advantage. Um, I mean, that's the reason that we separated that we have male sports and female sports like men, even if you even if um, a man transitions to a woman in adulthood, you know, he has higher, she has higher bone density. Um, still, you know, even if there has been 
Um, if, you know, she's taking estrogen, you know, there's still, it's still an unfair advantage. There's still so many factors that, um, play into it that, you know, are just, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, what I hear you saying is that, um, that you could agree that, a lot of the hard-won achievements of Title IX, which gives women the opportunity to compete in sports, um, that they're uh, threatened right now, and um, one could argue becoming endangered, um, and that they're worth fighting for and protecting. And so to me, it seemed like you might have a lot in common with, with feminists. And so Um, To go back to uh, the question that I had for you at the beginning, you gave me the number 60. And so I'll ask you again, on a scale of zero to 100, um, what number would you put yourself at now in light of the conversation that we had about what the word feminism means to the international community, particularly in countries that are not Western, where women have managed to attain a lot of equal rights? And then also in light of um, what many feminists are advocating for as a sort of backlash to the trans rights movement, um, it would seem that you do have a lot in common with feminists. And so to summarize, would you still say that your number is at 60% or has it gone up a little bit or down a little bit? Um, I would say it probably went up a little bit um, just because, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it on like a broader scale um, outside of, you know, just where I'm at in my little bubble. But I'm still not sure, like, I know there are a lot of feminists fighting um, to keep women's spaces safe from predators, but I feel like overall in our society right now, it's still a very unpopular take, and I don't know if, I think there are a lot of people that are still using the feminist label that don't even align with me on that, so Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm still, like, uncomfortable using that term to describe myself yeah but yeah I would say maybe uh maybe I would be at a 70 a 70 okay okay I can't wait to tell Conrad (laughs) you slam a 10% on the table and I come with a measly zero freaking zero (laughs) she didn't budge even a little bit Oh it man, <laughs> it hurts. Oh. I was like, and and then and then for super friends, they're gonna hear me just in disbelief, like come, like come, and it like after the buzzer, trying to be like, yeah, but yeah, but cut, like it's systemic, like come on, like, and so I try a couple <laughs> of times to like be like, yeah, but that doesn't shift you at all, and even after the buzzer, I, I couldn't get it. So I guess we need to break down now. What? I mean, the coach is yelling at me. He's giving you a pat yeah. on the back. Um, <laughs> What's the coach yelling at you? Like, he, he's in there and he's like, you idiot. Like, you spent so long. You tell me. I was trying to, like, not, not be too hard on it. I didn't want to, like, get the defenses up on this attacking something so personal. I think I built it up too much. I think I gave feminism quite a real good rap. So then at the end when I was like, ah, but it's not enough. It, it didn't budge. I, mm. I don't know. I'm at a loss. Mm. You tell me. Given the time limitation that we each have of 10 minutes, I think yeah. you probably spent uh, maybe four to five minutes too long building a rapport. Um, she did seem yeah. very engaged and already with a rapport with you. So yeah, She was already there. Um, 
That's true. Yeah, she was there. She was there. But I can't blame you, though, for especially being the coin tossed in your favor uh, of having to be the man trying to convince someone who is a feminist not to be. So I on eggshells, Alice. Eggshells. Oh, yeah. And understandably so. I feel for you. Like, in some ways, like, <laughs> I, I kind of wish we'd had <laughs> the opposite uh, challenge because that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been interesting for you to convince a woman to be a feminist who's not and for me to convince a fellow woman to not be a feminist. So, yeah. but, you know, the coin, the coin toss was what it was. So I think um, I admire that strategy of going in soft, you know, having, having like a very gentle bait and switch as you described it. Was I a gentle, approachable guy? Like, was I non-threatening? Was I really friendly? Did I do everything I was trying to do? You did. You did everything that, that you as a straight white man are supposed to do. (laughs) Gold star for that. So, so if I was your coach, I'd give you a gold star sticker you didn't get a trophy, but like you get, get a gold star gold sticker. Star. <laughs> I think I get the good effort one that that kid that never do. does well in reading in, in grade three. It's like, yeah, yeah, good oh. effort, effort, son. <laughs> like that's my sticker I freaking got. You had two or three pretty solid arguments up your sleeve that if you'd gotten through the tiptoey eggshell part faster, you could have, have in time. addition to the cap, in addition to like how capitalism has weaponized feminism, I feel like if you'd had more time, there's two or three more, at least, at least solid arguments that you could have um, delved into to try to persuade her. And maybe you did in the post of like after the timer to just try to see if maybe yeah, yeah. A, a little more engaging could. And maybe she still just wasn't budging. Despite your best, most gentlemanly, most like uh, feminist efforts, it did. It just didn't go in your favor. But gold star for you. Yeah, I was leaning heavily on the idea of like, hmm, this guy seems to really respect and understand my position and, you know, making her really open. I was trying to avoid your mistake from last week, which was making the solid arguments for the percentage that's already changed. So I avoided the radical feminist stuff. I avoided the, like, the worst of the worst because you could argue that they're the 1%. And I guess I was going for, like... Yes, they are the, the 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 smaller percentage, but with algorithms, they become the larger percentage. So I would, yeah. I tried a different tact. It didn't work. Alice, you absolutely destroyed me, setting an Ideas Digest record of a ten percent shift. And I've just got a f- fanboy over your superior <laughs> strategy. Your superior. I don't know if it's because you're a woman. It could be for feminists out there. <laughs> Because <laughs> your, your story strategy, like if, if I'm like your strategy, which essentially seemed to me common ground, you did have, you used a home ground advantage. You kind of knew some of the soft spots to like really mm. jabber. Like here's an issue you care about. Let me just like pinpoint that and double down. I did have a little bit of an advantage there. Yes. The storytelling. Yes. A great way to like, Per- that's what I should have this. I'm like, crap, I've got to tell you my notepad, flipping the notepad, <laughs> just writing it down here. Storytelling, really personal response, common ground. And I mean, props to you, fear no idea. You're treading on some controversial ground there, Alice. That's, I am. <laughs> I mean, you, you did well. You were, stepped on your own eggshells a little bit there being like, well, this is what some people would be saying about this sort of thing. If you want to know what Alice really thinks, you have to just become a super friend of the show but obviously well done i i mean what's your reflections on that could you improve <laughs> anymore i don't think so <laughs> 
You know, honestly, I was surprised that her percentage shifted by 10 points from 60 to 70%. Um, and, and again, to be fair, like I did have a little bit of advantage being familiar with some of her opinions. We're both American women. Um, and I, and I've seen some of the work that she shared and some in, on Instagram. And so that definitely did give me a little bit of like, I, I figured, okay, maybe that gives me like two or three percentage point advantage, but then she even went beyond. But I think it was the storytelling element that seemed to be the most powerful. Um, after the recording, and you have not seen this part yet, but for friends of the show, super friends of the show, Sarah yeah, and yeah. I continue our dialogue um, where I engage a little bit more personally in terms of what I really think about feminism and the word feminist and um, and my stance on it. And uh, so, yeah, that part was really interesting too. And I'll let you tell me when we okay. want to get into that. And we can- You opened the persuaders textbook, you opened the playbook, took the, <laughs> the Hail Mary and you went, this is the one, you used it, you executed, the coach is stoked with you, disappointed with me. <laughs> I'm out the back. You're enjoying the party, being lifted on people's shoulders. I'll save you a pizza pizza. Yeah, thanks. Bring it to me on the bleachers. That's my American reference. You know, I'm just alone, probably under the bleachers, you know, like Taylor Swift. Do you guys not have bleachers in Australia? Like, is that... What? You don't have bleachers? What do you guys sit on when you're watching, like, a track meet or... We don't don't watch things. (laughs) The only sport people watch is professional sport. You know, like you guys have these like high school football games and everyone like comes around. Nah, we don't watch other people. So if you're, if you're, you're watching the professionals or you're standing around an oval and there's 10 guys watching the, the, the like B league and you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, there's Tony over there. There's like seven people watching. Yeah. There's no one at high school games. There's no one at college football games. There's not. That is okay. This is such a truly foreign concept. If you're playing along at home, right? Comment below. Did we change your mind? If you're an open-minded friend of the show, if you'd like to explore these ideas in more depth with more nuance, you can go to Ida's Digest anywhere you get your podcasts and listen to us explore these ideas in more depth. Super friends, stick around. Alice, tell me what you really think about feminism out of 100 to zero. Are you a feminist? Okay, so...